When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh, my goodness. It's a counter-attack. It's a new drop and now in the middle Possibly bleak as this. Yes, we are back. Welcome back. Chessie Awa. Uh, World Cup racket is over. Um, a lot of people are saying, oh, no, I don't want to see Chelsea again, etc., etc. Um, you're a Chelsea fan, so you know we've just played. And obviously, coming into World Cup, we had disastrous form. But we won. We played Bournemouth. We won. And so I'm joined by the Chelsea cast to discuss not just that, but the latest events surrounding Chelsea. So we got Timpson. What are you saying, Timpson? Always a pleasure, Dan. I'm good. Cool. And along with Timpson, we got Babs. What are you saying, Babs? Can't complain, man. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Babs, you was, one of, was you um, not looking forward to uh, the, the real season, the Premier League reconvening? Um... I'm trying to remember. I don't think I had strong thoughts, but I I don't really think I I, I think I was a bit like I was on like a a, a World Cup down downcast. If that makes sense. Hey, okay, okay. Timpson, what about you? Was you dreading uh, Chelsea coming back because of our form before? You're mute if you're speaking, Timpson. Yeah, not really. I was just kind of like. I didn't really have a horse in the World Cup race with Nigeria not qualifying and me not feeling England like that. Yeah. So Chelsea coming back, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot we were in this position, but it is what it is. So it I was is kind true. of different. It is true. I haven't looked at a table in ages, but I think we're around eight than that. But I don't want to look at a table until we're back where we kind of around where we belong. But obviously we played Bournemouth. So we'll do a quick I'm talking about insights. I don't want to kind of go over kind of what happened because if you're a Chelsea fan, just go to YouTube and highlight it or watch the full match. But um, Reese James got injured. And that's a strong talking point because I think a lot of people are pointing the finger at Potter for maybe playing Reese James or maybe playing him too long. Loads of different things. Babs, I want to come to you. On the Reese James situation, what's your take on it? My take is simple. Um, I think he's a player that obviously like well he suffers from a lot of injuries so I guess what Potter said at the beginning of the game in the fact that he wants to manage um, him throughout the game it made sense Mm -hmm. so I'm not surprised that he played the first 45 minutes Mm -hmm. I'd understand why people would have questions about why he wasn't taken off you know at half time maybe when we were up already Mm -hmm. but then again we did see what happened when when he did come off the pitch you know in terms of us losing control looking very open down our right hand side you know, in, in, in terms of defensively. But for me, I, I just feel like it was it was just something that it was going to happen, if that makes sense. You know, like, I'm, I'm not really surprised about the injury, but I'm just a bit like, I don't know. I feel like with Reese, I've kind of gotten used to it with, with, with him being injured. You know, I, 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 don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame anybody because, you know, obviously he wanted to come back early on the season for the World Cup. Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot of debate about that, but. I'm not. I'm not really. I haven't really got strong thoughts about it. About it personally. That's key, though. What you're saying in terms of he was upset that Southgate didn't pick him for the World Cup. So the fact that he was used for when did he get injured? The 50th minute. So like he could have been yeah, 53rd minute. 
Yeah, usually they make subs around the 60th minute. I can anticipate that he would have been one of the subs around 60. But obviously, uh, eight minutes into the second half, he got gets injured. But this is a player, obviously, we played a friendly, and it's a player that was upset that he didn't get picked for a World Cup squad. So to point the finger at Potter seems a bit weird, but I know that his apparently private personal trainer was upset about it. Who knows? Who knows? What I want to challenge before I go to Timpson, you said... After Reese James came off, you saw the difference night and day. I think that's an assumption because games change. And for me personally, I think uh, the first half, the front four, they defended from the front. Everyone was running like a madman. And obviously, a lot of people have had a rest. I know Havertz was playing in the um, World Cup. I think Pulisic went about a bit, um, out a bit early with America. But obviously, it's the middle of the season. These guys are still fit. But they were all running like like madmen and I, I don't I don't think they could keep up for the whole match and I saw them not doing not being as intense and I think that's kind of what helped Bournemouth get back into the game but Timpson where do you land on it um so you can talk about Reese James and the whole injury situation first and do you think that the difference when Bournemouth came back into it was because Reese James went off I wouldn't say it's entirely down to Reese James coming off game state like you mentioned does play a part, but looking just at Azpilicueta's performance when he came on compared to what a Reese James would give you, you did see a drop-off, which we've acknowledged for some time. Azpi isn't marauding up and down the touchline. He's not going to get round the wide man, so it would have been Raheem Sterling on the right-hand side. He wasn't overlapping. He put in a couple of crosses, but they were from the deeper area. Mm-hmm not too far from the halfway line, kind of that deep area that we've known him to put crosses in simply because he just doesn't have the legs to get up and down and partially because the game didn't require it because we weren't chasing the game, which is typically what gets Equator up and down that touchline. So the game state did play a part, but also there was also... There is a clear drop off in drop off. what Aspi gives you and what Reese gives you. So I think it was um, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Okay. And on the injury thing, do you have any thoughts on that before I come back to Babs? I've got one question for Babs. I just risked the trainer because I know he, f- he trains a couple of current like Chelsea and ex-Chelsea guys like Mousper, Harris, Trev Chalaba. He trains. I know he used to train Deli Ali before mm-hmm. the move to Turkey. I just wish he just, he could, he's not going to, but I wish he would just elaborate on what he's angry about. Fair enough. He's, He's clearly not angry, so that's that's the reaction of the of the person of the private the private coach is probably what's exacerbated the situation. I think. Yeah, exactly. There's a bit of mystery over that, so we won't assume. Coming back to Babs, Babs, beauty of being like doing this journey with you is I get to see your live reactions, and you actually said you weren't impressed with Reese um, before he came on, right? No, nah, oh no. Nah. Okay, so tell me because Timson just said there was a drop off, right? So. Um, Tom, t- talk to me about how you think Reese's game went. Um, I think it was quite sloppy, you know, especially like stuff like his touches. Because yeah. normally with Reese James, you know, one, one thing you like kind of like associate with him is just security, you know, whether he's receiving the ball, you know, offering angles. Um, a big thing that has improved from his first season up till now has been positioning. Yeah. Like we saw in his first season that like, he had a lot of like positional issues, but those seem to like had really like um, been ironed out whether he was playing wing-back or full-back. But yesterday, he just felt a bit all over the place. And I know that's probably mainly because of, like, him not playing, you know, for a while um, in terms of, like, um, due to injury. But obviously, I, I don't know. I feel like just because of like, how good he is, we, we have such a high standard for him. So mm. that performance for, like, on any other right-back is probably good. But but what I expect from Reese James, like, that, that it wasn't really... It wasn't really giving me what, what I needed to get, you know? Like, even stuff like he's crossing, you know? Yeah. I don't I don't think he found a single person or, or put it in like a good enough area to put it towards a person, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, I just wasn't really impressed. And even Cucurella, even though he didn't go forward as much, I was I was actually a bit more impressed with him Agreed. crossing and passes um into the final third. So Agreed. I'm not sure I, I, I probably have to look up look into the stats about it, but I just wasn't really impressed with him, you know. Hey, over stats, I test over stats, but you know what? I'm agree with you. I watched the game again. I don't know if you guys watched the game again, but I don't think there was anything special about Reese's performance at all before he came off. Obviously, he's just come back, like you said, ring rust. 
I think he did put play one good ball in, but I think it was way more dangerous. It was may- way more dangerous when Sterling was put into the box when he got into those positions and put the ball into the box than Reese James. Um, but yeah, like to be fair, he- there was a couple of players where it's like, okay, you're part of the performance because you're still working hard. But I just don't think he was adding anything sp- like particularly good. And I think Reese James was one of those. But that's just my opinion. Obviously, listeners, you all have your opinion. Timmy's gi- Timpson's given his opinion. Babs has given his opinion. You just t- touched on Kukurella. I want to talk about the back line um, in general because it did feel like, I know we're playing this back four thing, but Reese James was allowed to get forward. So it still felt like, for me anyway, and I don't know if you guys agree, that it was a back three of Kukurella, Thiago Silva and Koulibaly. Um, and before I pass the mic over to you guys, all of them, they, they were wearing red boots. I don't know. They were kind of aligned with the red boots. Jorginho had red boots in front. So that was like the diamond red, boot, like back four or whatever. Um, and one thing I liked about all three of them was the passing, the passing out the back. Um, all three of them, I think when you look at um, Koulibaly, and if you look at one of the goals, in fact, one of the goals, he punched it into Jorginho. And obviously them two guys know each other from Lapoli, but... Um, Jorginho is so good at finding the gaps and spaces. One minute he's over there, then he'll just jog over. He's supposed to be slow, but he's very deceptive in terms of the way he just kind of finds these holes. But sometimes you watch it and our centre-backs won't necessarily be brave enough to punch it into them. him. But Koulibaly would always do it. Now, I know that Koulibaly takes risks. They don't always come off. Um, but one thing I appreciate is that he will, when he sees the opportunity to punch it into Jorginho, he'll punch it in. Um, and obviously he does it right foot, left foot. Sometimes it doesn't come off. There was a time where it didn't work out and they had a counter-attack. I think similarly with Thiago Silva, Thiago Silva played a very dangerous ball across the back line and that almost cost us. But these players are going to take risks. And Thiago Silva, one thing I like about him is, again, he's not even just looking directly in front of him. He'll see a pass, two, three, four lanes in front of him and it's like, rah. And he, he created a couple of really good chances in the back. And in Cucurella too, Again, very smart passer out of the back. Um, and I just think where Bournemouth tried to really uh, press us, et cetera, et cetera, we were just too good passing out of the back, and especially with Jorginho there. Um, but then apart from that, obviously defensively, I think all of them was on job too. So just in terms of the defensive, the back end of the... And shout out to Kepa too, because I know that it's been a long time and the World Cup's been here and it's all passed, but everybody was acting like, yeah, you'll see. You'll see with Kepa. You'll see with Kepa. Give him some time. And I know that our form was bad, but I think he was injured and Mendy came back in. And I don't want to blame Mendy, but Kepa's bit, really been solid for us. And the passing as well, um, in terms of that whole back line, I count Kepa in that. Um, I think he was making really good decisions. It was really calm. Um, and so over to you, uh, Babs, on the whole kind of back end of our system, what did you think? Yeah, um, I think it's what you're going to get from those guys at the back. You know, you're going to get a lot of technical security. All of them have good passing ability. Um, the only note I'd make is I don't want to see Thiago Silva and Koulibaly start together. Okay. I, I don't think I don't think it actually works because I know Koulibaly prefers to play on the left. And you can kind of see that he was a bit uncomfortable there. And even though traditionally people people say that, you know, right foot on the right-hand side, you know, it should be easy. But we, we actually saw with, like, for instance, Rudiger, the majority of his show security was spent on the left-hand side. And I'm I'm not sure if that's just due to um, coincidence or if it was more due to tactical discipline and what it was used to. But I'm probably going to go to the latter, and I feel like with Kulabali, it's probably the same thing. And even mm. when I even when I actually think about, it, I've, I've all the centre backs that start on the right hand side. I've actually preferred um, Chalabar, yeah. and I actually do like having him there, um, especially with Reese James, because I actually think he naturally yeah he naturally feels that um, right hand side position when he ventures forward and. I think it's something that actually gives us a lot of value because whenever um you have like a one v one winger, he's actually someone that actually, he's actually very good at, at defending versus people that are actually dribbling. If that makes sense, rather than defending in central areas, so mm. that's something that I, I noted. But yeah, I, I was impressed with the backline. Um, I thought they did their jobs well. There were a couple shaky moments, but it's what you can expect post the World Cup. Even mm. even though it's Bournemouth, I think people forget that Bournemouth have actually been in pretty decent form. Yeah. You know, they they have picked up a couple of wins. You know, they did beat um Everton. They had like a four-three game against Leeds, so there are a team that's actually been scoring of recent. Of recent, they even scored two against Tottenham. So, even yeah. though I know a lot of people say it's easy to beat Bournemouth, it's still impressive to get a clean sheet, not actually concede any clear-cut chances. Yeah, you know. So for, for me, I, it was a, it was a bit positive. And you know what? Regard. 
at the beginning of the game, Solanke, uh, obviously ex-Chelsea, definitely wanted to make an impression. Right. When it started out, it was like, rah, this might be a tough one. But just, just on Koulibaly, I, 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 th- I liked his performance. I really, really liked his performance on the right. Um, And I think where I liked it as well is Reese James was bombing, like he was really high. And I don't necessarily in that thing want Koulibaly to travel up as well. And on the, on the left, he may have travelled up a bit more. But I think he kind of, was hanging back but yeah I think I, I really liked to be fair on that right side we'll get to the midfield and attack later but I really kind of like that whole right side um Timson what is your thought on the kind of the back end of the pitch for Chelsea first of all I've been screaming for a back four for <laughs> yeah, since yeah. Tuchel brought in the three really yeah. so to see that just I felt something in my soul that <laughs> lifted like I felt something vindicated and the fact that we played so well and it suited everybody um, apart from obviously I was a bit surprised that Koulibaly took the right centre-back role uh, instead of Thiago Silva but other than the potential for their lack of pace and and that is an old centre-back combination they probably I would hope that the team like um, Potter and, and and his team would have said the threat that uh, Bournemouth would have provide would have provided in terms of being in, getting in behind was wasn't significant enough to like change change the idea of Kulabali and Thiago Silva, and it's like it's like Bab said. Um, I quite like Tia, I quite like Trev Chalabar if he does play in this system because as a right centre back he can naturally if the system's going to shift when Reese James pushes up into somewhat a three when in possession he's quite comfortable kind of assuming that right centre back role and mm-hmm. out of all the existing centre backs he's probably the one most comfortable being pulled out defending in those wide areas because that's one thing defenders typically hate being defending in wide areas because they're so uncomfortable with it but because of his experience playing right back although it's not his best position he's quite comfortable there but all in all I think it worked really well you had guys that were comfortable on the ball from everyone on everyone on the back four was comfortable on the ball everybody not afraid to take risks obviously we know about Thiago Silva's expansive passing ranges someone touched on it already about Koulibaly's ability to break the lines with his passing uh, give it to Jorginho or Zakaria whenever they were free so all in all I was happy with how comfortable and organised the back four looked yeah yeah and again there were there were a couple of hairy moments but I know people are going to say, yeah, ring rust, World Cup. But, but if we remember back end, just before, I know we want to forget, but there was that game and I can't remember who it was against, but they kind of, they scored like two or three goals early and then Thiago Silva was making mistakes and it was, we were trying to take risks. Looking like, at Brighton. Brighton, yeah, it was Brighton. <laughs> it was Brighton. We try to take risks, play out. And I just feel like we have to be, in my opinion, uh, the way we want to play is we do want to take risks playing out. They're not, all of the passes when you're being brave aren't going to come off. Um, and Thiago Silva did try something. Like, even though I'm saying this, it was still a bit crazy that he tried that pass. But it's just, again, if it would have come off, everyone would have been clapping and appreciate it. So these guys are taking risks, which I like. Um, we don't want to dwell on it, so we're just going to go over the kind of Bournemouth real quick unless actually interesting thing, things come out. But I think Jorginho was... I know and we could talk about the contract situation as well, but we'll talk about the middle section, Jorginho and Dennis Zakaria. Um Zachariah, however you want to say it, I'm going to call him Zachariah, right? But um, Jorginho, I think, was fantastic. I think he was fantastic in terms of Mr. Interception, just like, again, someone that everybody says slow, slow, slow. The way he ghosts in and just from nowhere, the player thinks they're going to get the ball, but he's intercepted. The, the interceptions was crazy. Again, when I talked about actually just getting into the space to always provide the option to receive, and I love that Again, there were so many quick moves uh, vertically up the pitch and it was literally, a lot of the time, Koulibaly or defender into Jorginho. Jorginho into Mount will get onto that kind of thing and then Mount into the attackers and it was just quick, 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 quick and then a chance. Um, And I think, um, yeah, I just think in general, uh, he would always be, he knowed where he was going to pass before he got the ball. Everything super simple, everything super slick. I think it was a great performance. And then Zakaria, actually watching Zakaria, I didn't see him much. I didn't see him much at all. It was almost, yeah, it was almost like it was a one-man midfield. But then, in a crucial moment, big intercept, a uh, big like firefighting moment. Like, yeah. So he he didn't really have 
in terms of the general play, wasn't much on it. But then in crucial moments, last ditch tackle. Um, so that's kind of my, in terms of that, this double pivot, and it, it, it is a kind of new kind of thing because we have a front four now. It feels like we really have a front four. So we've got this double pivot. Babs, over to you on uh, Dennis and Jorginho. Yeah, I thought Jorginho had a comfortable game. Um, I think he did everything that we needed to do well. Um, I think his passes were, were really strong. You know, I think he allowed us to play the verticality that Potter wants us to play. And I think he's definitely been a, a key cog in, in that regard. So he's definitely been a, a net positive in that regard. Um, Zachary was interesting. Like, personally, for me, I wasn't as impressed as a lot of people were um, in terms of his performance. I, I feel like with Zachary, I feel like people use him as like a stick to beat Jorginho with. Yeah. And that's 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 funny coming from me because I'm, I'm I've always been like one of the one of the harsher people when it comes to Jorginho, but I feel like people kind of like over over like emphasize what he offers defensively. I'm not yeah. saying that what he offers defensively is isn't like important because what what his athleticism allows him to do that Jorginho doesn't have is it's like move across the ground a lot quicker yeah. and get back, you know, and make those like elaborate clearances. And it's definitely um a positive, but I feel like with with Zachariah, right, like there's there's like some like little things I, I just don't like. Like there, there, there's like there's like like for instance, like when he receives the ball, his touches. I feel like his touches mm. allow for a duel to be open. If that makes sense, mm. like I feel like his, his touch is so loose that the opposition midfielder has a lot more chance, yeah. you know, to actually um get get in there. And if you look at a Jorginho, for instance, when he receives the ball and it's something that United are, are, are missing quite quite a bit right now, mm. he's able to turn over sixpence, you know, and offer offer up. Whereas with Zachariah, it feels a lot more robotic, yeah. you know. And I, I feel like for another for some people, it, it may seem like nitpicking, but. At the top level, like th- these are things that you you expect of top level midfielders, you know. So that's that's it. That's that's it for me personally. Um, I think his passing was all right. Mm. Um, I, I, I thought it was interesting how Potter used him. It's kind of like an eight. Um, mm. but, because he was actually well, when you look at the midfielder, he was the highest um on the pitch when we we're going forward, um, the two. But he was also the deepest at times, you know, to I guess um clean up in front of the defense. But mm. yeah, I, I feel like with a better player there, I can very much see that. It can be a very, very good looking I mean, attack because, yeah, go on. I was gonna say, it's like we've seen Jorginho and Kante work together, and I yeah, think exactly. sometimes when people think about double pivot in their heads, it's stay back, stay back, but yeah, it's a box to box role anyway. Do you know what I'm like, saying? So, sometimes it's, it's you stay, I go, you know, yeah, exactly. And, and and yeah, you're, you're right. And I, I listen, I agree with your view of the game, I feel like. Jorginho was doing a lot of the interceptions, a lot of the build-up. He was doing the, the majority. However, uh, Zakaria and again, his athleticism and everyone saying we need someone with af- like PMP and stuff like that. This is where like there were some crucial, important interventions that he was able to make because he was able to get up and down as well. I think I've, I saw on Twitter as well, someone said that they liked that he was taking shots as well. I know it's important for people that everyone scores for some reason. But let me come to Timpson. Um, what's your thoughts on the kind of the midfield, the engine room? Um, so probably easy to talk about Jorginho real quick. I oh. thought he had time and space to do what he does best, and he added value on the defensive end uh, against a team that typically won't give you as much trouble. But he had the ability; he read the game well. He made the interceptions, and when things got um, kind of sticky for him, uh, Zakaria added value with his kind of physical presence. So moving on to Zakaria, you see the value of someone whose first and foremost objective is to defend first, add value off the ball initially. Um, And in that, that said, I don't think he's a top class DM. Like Bab said, I feel like to be a top class DM, you need to be able to receive the ball under pressure, similarly to a Jorginho um, or be or want the always want the ball receive pressure receive the ball take that first touch away from away from danger and um, recycle the ball as quickly as possible. But he seems a bit sloppy, so it's a bit it's a bit nitpicky, but it's a bit sloppy. And in terms of the added value on the ball, I just didn't see it. So as far as like long term, I probably would tick. I would I probably would pass on activating that twenty four million pound buy option. Um, if this is the best that we're going to see as a career. But all in all, I thought he added um, a layer, a foil of defensive solidity that we haven't had in a while with our previous midfield combinations. Okay. Um, all right, cool. So let's move on to the attack 
um, we can talk about them together. First and foremost, Mount. So Mount, I think the last time he kind of played this kind of like 10 role regularly was under Lampard behind Tammy. And listen, one of the things that I like about Mount is he's got this kind of turn. Like if you remember, is it the Porto goal where he received it on a turn in shot? Yeah, on the bottom, the bottom of the box. Yeah, but like he, he kind of it's a turn where he kind of like invites pressure, but then he rolls you. If that makes sense, it's the, it's the Mount turn, and it's so good. It's it's low. Boy, hey, hey, you 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 said it. I didn't have to. It's the Mount turn. It's the you know what I'm saying. It's his own signature trademark. It's the Mount turn, and he done it a couple of times. I think when when he initially played number ten. He was able to do it, but I think he was a bit more scornier. And so it didn't always come off, but now it comes off so often. And um, I think as I remember when he played um, as a 10 with with Tammy, my thing was that's not coming off that much. And at the same time, you're basically a second striker with Tammy and you're not scoring enough goals. But I think now I, I, I really liked, I really liked him in this role. I don't act personally. I don't like giving Mount, that much defensive responsibility because I feel like he's so so, so attacking minded, and I think having him in the number ten, it obviously like he does get back. He's one of those physical monsters too, so when he needs to, he can get back. But I like the idea of just letting him concentrate on being attacker, and I think um, he played apart from the obviously he scored a goal, um, but he played some good passes in terms of us counterattacking quickly to the attackers, um, as you'd expect someone playing that role to do. But at the same time, he's got that shot from range and he wants to score. I think he had a really good game. Um, we'll come to you, Timson, on Mount. Yeah, I'm glad he got a chance to perform. Uh, playing a bit higher up the pitch, having a bit more time than uh, a lot of other teams probably would. He really seemed like he was comfortable in that attack, but not being in that in that attacking trio so he got to kind of drop in do what he had a lot of freedom and he seemed to thrive off that and he just felt comfortable in he he was able to get comfortable in areas that uh he could otherwise not find himself in in other in other systems and tactics so i'm glad that he got his i'm glad that he got his goal and he was really really comfortable um and he he provided energy throughout and he linked up with the attack well yeah. And, and you know, when I talked about that kind of that spine that, that was like Koulibaly up to Jorginho, up to Mount and then Mount pass it to Sterling or whatever, then Sterling into the box. I saw that a few times. And I think just having Mount in there, in the middle, gives that pass from Jorginho to connect it to Mount. And the, the difficult thing is if Mount's just staying there in the middle, then he's hard to mark. But Mount is all over the place, but he'll still return to that place to get the ball right through the middle, which which kind of worked. And you know what? It's just Bournemouth. So we have to see if it works against other games. But I really, really enjoyed how we executed that role in that game. Uh, Babs, over to you. Yeah, I was impressed with Mount. Uh, I think he did a really good job on and off the ball, as you like normally expect him. As normal, he's always like able to retain possession in tight areas. Yeah. You know, he allows you to like play in like, nice one twos, which was, was obviously a like, value add. Um, I thought what one thing that I liked about this game in particular was his ability to like not just stay on like one half space because like you know with Mount you normally expect to stay on the, like, the left hand left hand side half space you know and try like whipping crosses but he was a lot less you know just like just forcing in crosses you know he was actually like interlinking with the fullbacks yeah. you know playing with the wingers here and there so that was definitely a, a good positive. You know, even like the pass um, into Zakaria before um, the yeah. goal, you know, it was it was, a, it was a quality piece of like play there. Yeah. And I felt like um, when you actually, when we talk about Mount, you know, obviously people say, you know, he's not creative, but I definitely think there is a, a there is a creative element to him, you know, in the fact that he, he does like to try and at least like find like his teammates. You know, like even like the pass for um, Havertz, you know, where um, he fouls the defender, you know, it was a good pass to find him in and behind, behind the goal. And obviously he's not like, this creative demon like an Odegaard or, or other players, but he still has that element to his game and it's definitely something that we, we've seen. But I definitely think with, with Mount, he needs to focus a bit more like his overall game because I feel like he sometimes gets a bit too much sucked into like trying to score too many goals. Mm. You know, like we, we've seen in like interviews with like, oh, you know, I want to score more goals. But I feel like sometimes like if he just like focuses on the basics, you know, and just plays like a consistent game throughout the, throughout the ninety. I feel like you'll see more games like this because we've seen him do it, you know, against bigger teams like um, Liverpool. 
in the league last season. We've seen him do it in the Champions League final, but I feel like with Mount, I, I may, maybe he's also like paid the cost of like playing in like multiple different positions under different systems. But I definitely think there's there's an element with, with him whereby he needs to like you know go back to the drawing board and just make sure he sticks to the basics because obviously it's a contract year, you know, and obviously Chelsea are going to want to re- re-sign him. So if he wants to get that you know big boy deal, he's going to have to you know make them big boys performances. But yeah, I was really impressed with, with his game. You know, I, I I don't really I they don't have any anything much to complain about with him. You know, in behind you the striker. So yeah, you know what? I, I was quite happy. I was say, um, uh, there's two things piggybacking off what you just said. Number one, I think I don't like it when people try to change players too much. Obviously, like there's coaching and there's like this. Let me help you get better. But Mount is urgency. That's what Mount is, right? And when you are an urgent player, again, you're not necessarily taking your time to kind of like find, you know what I'm just saying? It's like quickness over accuracy a lot of the time. But that pass you talked about to Zachariah, I'm going to call him Zachariah, that pass you talked about, yeah, um, the fact that he saw him quickly and he got the ball to him quickly, that is part, that's creativity too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a part part of creativity. And I think that obviously when you're starting, when you're young, and as you kind of age, if you continue playing urgent and fast football, you're going to get better and better at finding it because it's not always going to come off because you're doing it quick. But the more you do it, the better you're going to get. And I, I don't know. I'm not making a claim that right now everything's perfect, but I really appreciate that pass like you did. Um, and again, I think it's because he's so urgent so he could see it quickly. Bam. Second thing, I like that. I've always, I've always said, like, stop trying to change players. He wants to score goals. And... My biggest problem with this kind of whole mount thing is like putting him in an area where he's given too much defensive responsibility when actually he just wants to be in and around the box. Do you know what I'm saying? Which is why when I saw actually he's playing this role, I just, the first thing that came to mind is this is good. He can focus on being an attacker. He can come back and help, but he doesn't have the responsibility to do that. That's covered with the double pivot and with the shape. Um, but I, I honestly think that he can rack up the goals. And I feel like it's that, like when you think about Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi and all of these Salah, etc., it's not a coincidence that they score so many goals because they're obsessed with goal scoring. And so when you have like, I know like with Eden Hazard, loads of people saying, oh, if only he was obsessed, he'd score more goals. Some, it's, sometimes it's a gift when these players care about goal scoring. Um, and I think that because that's what drives high numbers. And yeah, as long as he's in a position where he can just, you know, concentrate on attacking and be in the box, then I think that he can work really well. I hope that this continues in this kind of, I want to see this again. Obviously, it's just Bournemouth. So a lot of the things we're saying, we have to see it tried and tested um, across. But I like that he wants to score goals and get assists. I like that he wants to get numbers because we need those type of people in the team. And the final thing on Mount is Havertz will get onto him because he played the false nine. But when Havertz was allowed to just drift, he said, Potter said, look, just go with the wind, where you want to go. And I, I like that Mount kind of filled in a lot of the time um, uh, that in that kind of area. So not all of the time, because sometimes it was just vacant, but Mount was the one I think that mostly kind of filled in. Um, so anything on Mount before I move to Kai? No, let's go. Cool. Kai Havertz, obviously he got a goal and an assist. Sometimes it just feels like with football fandom now, it's crazy. Uh, a lot of people want me to hate Kai Havertz. Why do you hate him? Why do you hate him? And all that type of stuff. Um, I think th- he he didn't play all of the games. I, mean, I think he lost his place for Germany, but then he came back in and then uh, off the bench. And I think he made an impact. Um, he, I think what I like, what I, what I haven't liked about Kai when he hasn't played well a lot of the time is, I think when I talked about that urgency that Mount has, sometimes it's like he's trying to play an urgent game, but I like composure, Kai. And I think this game, it was all about composure. Even the goal that he set up for Mount, Zachariah was all, help us, help us. Uh, Kai pushed him out and said, no, calm. And then he just laid it off and he brought that calm to it. And I think at his best, he's composure, Kai. Do you know what I'm saying? He's actually playing at his own pace. Uh, the, the inconsistency thing has plagued him from from the Bayer Leverkusen etc and I didn't watch regularly at Bayer Leverkusen but I did my research and obviously we all know about second half of the season Kai we are in the second half of the season so hopefully this form continues but for Chelsea specifically 
like even before the World Cup happened, sometimes it's just like, where's your composure gone? You're just a hell a skelter. You're not even controlling balls, everything was loose and stuff like that. But this game, we got composure Kai. And I love seeing it. And he said that uh, Potter let him just drift. I think in the second half, there was a lot of good link up down the right side. It was almost like he was playing uh, right 10. Uh, and he was linking up with Sterling. Um, just just composure Kai all over. One, twos, link up. He had that one where he kind of ran down, cut in, and then did a shot which wasn't accurate. But you know what I'm saying? He actually worked a chance. But... Um, it is really interesting. It's really good. Obviously, it's worked out here. The goal, I I think my analysis of Kai Havertz, and I know that he scored the wonder goal uh, for Chelsea against, I can't remember, but it was similar to the goal he scored um, against England for Germany, where he just picked it up outside the box and scored that long, uh, just basically scored a, a semi-long range outside. He got a goal against them, Salzburg. Yeah, exactly. So, so he's capable of scoring from that range, but the thing is, he doesn't often take shots from that range. So that's why I don't consider him like a threat from outside the box unless he can start doing it more often. Um, but with Kai Havertz, a lot of his goals are headers and volleys or like near the goal finishes. And the interesting thing is Sterling, look, Sterling has been at City and we all know that the City kind of thing was the Bruyne gets out to Sterling or whoever, whoever's wide, they slip it in. And that was almost like a City goal because we got out to Sterling, Sterling slipped it in and Kai Havertz, who's good at these kind of close finishes, he did his job. Um, but again, I think there was more goals. There was more goals to be scored. For someone that is more kind of like goal obsessed, that isn't going to go wonder about and wants to kind of play deep and go here and there. For someone that just cares about goals, there would have been more goals there in, in the game. But I think he had a really good, good game. Babs, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think this was um, one of the first times, in my opinion, whether we've actually seen Kai play the true false nine in, in, in a way. Because I, th- I feel like before at Chelsea, whenever you're playing up top, you know, pre-Potter, I feel like he, w- he was mainly just, you know, playing as the spearhead, yeah. you know, but people were calling it a false nine, if you get what I mean. Mm. I feel like the closest thing we ever got to that was Liverpool game. And even then, he was basically the spearhead where he was, Basically, the highest play on the pitch. Mm. But yesterday, um, well, not yesterday. Um, was it yesterday? Was no, it was the day before yesterday? Yeah, the day before yesterday. Um, well, for the listeners, you know what I mean. Um, he was. You had a lot more scope to like drop in deep. You know, link up in the midfield. You know, mm. vacate space and allow for even like a guy like Pulisic to like you know get get forward. You know, occupy those spaces. You know, Sterling do the same. And I feel like that this may be something that Potter may want from his number nine. But obviously, we're going to need a bit more of a largest um, sample size to really judge it but other than that in, in terms of his game you know goals aside I think it was just a really comfortable game you know he was able to like show us his technical security you know we weren't seeing the touch bobbling about you know he, he he looked like a really good footballer on the day and it's just something that we want to see from him more consistently you know in, in that role because one, one of the things with Kai he, he can be very frustrating in, in that regard you know where sometimes like he, he just looks very lethargic you know he, he gets bullied about but he did look like a really good um, false nine, you know, against Bournemouth. And mm. I kind of do hope that he continues to, to like, continue this vein because a player like him with his composure and attack is not something that we have at the moment. Mm. And that, if you get what I mean, like if you look at our other footballers, mm. a lot of them seem to, they're, they're a lot more brute force, you know, Pulisic, Sterling, okay. you know, Gallagher, if you're going to um, um, include him, you know, Aubameyang, they're a lot more like brute force, you know, and, and, and in terms of like forcing attacks, whereas um, Kai, he has, a, he has more of a sense of calm. So, it's definitely a big value add for Chelsea and it's definitely something that I can see benefiting us in the long run. So I just hope he's able to get a run of games, you know, to play in this role and kind of cement himself in that regard. But yeah, um, yeah. long and short, I, I was really impressed with him and I just hope he continues in this vein. Yeah, I think one thing I, I think is important to say, because I think with the Chelsea kind of thing, again, everyone's like, Chelsea players don't score, strikers don't score, et cetera, et cetera. I think last season he got um, around eight goals in 22 starts. I know like it's like in basically around 2090. So it's almost like one and two uh, or basically at 0.4. Like, so basically in 40% of the games, you know what I mean? But that's, that's kind of what he was, the rate that he was scoring in Germany too. So I know that a lot of people, because he didn't start loads and loads of games, 
that doesn't reflect in terms of I know people want double figures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But until we get players, I've said this before, but until we get players that, that start 31 games, etc., you know, it's gonna be difficult for them to get double figures in attack. Um and apart from that, I think defensively as well, I remember there was a, a period, a passage of the game where Bournemouth were on top, they had corners and he was doing that defensive kind of role for us, which was good in terms of heading the ball out. Um, but a very, very solid display. Uh, Timpson, what do you think about Kai Havertz? I was really happy with Kai. I felt like he added value. He was a creator. He was a constant goal-scoring threat. And he just... The little bits of Kai that we all know he has in terms of he'll show up at certain areas at certain times of the pitch and he'll sprinkle a bit of Kai, like classy touch, a lovely pass, just the way to keep the ball going forward. We don't see enough of. It was ever-present there. It was consistent. And I love the poacher's finish for his goal. Um, So with Kai, I was really happy. While I would like to see Kai slightly deeper, um, I was happy about the performance that he gave in the false nine. So even if he does play that false nine position, I know that if he's capable of giving those us those performances on a more consistent basis, there's positivity all round. Although ultimately I would like to see him um, deeper. I mean, yeah, it's interesting when you say that because I agree with Babs and I, I agree, with, I think Babs's take re- echoed what Kai Havertz said in terms of under Tuchel, I think Tuchel talked about having a reference point, right? And being someone there to challenge for headers, et cetera, et cetera. Now, maybe it just wasn't a game to, that called for that, those aerial duels, et cetera. No, I mean, to, to, he, he won five out of five aerial duels. So five out of five, he, okay, cool. He was able to do, to do the same thing there, yeah. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, what Havertz said is, Potter said, I can just go where I want. Um, So he didn't have to play the number nine role, whereas... Tuchel clearly came out saying, no, I want him to be a nine for us. And so I I actually think if you play him as a 10, he plays similar to the way he played yesterday because he had a free role. Um, that's just kind of my take on it. So I don't think he needed, per, per, personally, I don't think he needed to be deeper. Obviously, like there was one time where he was out wide. I think Bournemouth had the ball. He robbed the Bournemouth player. And then he laid it off and then he dashed to get into the box and then someone crossed it in and he just headed it over. So there's always that responsibility to get back into the box. Um, But I I like that. Do you know what I'm saying? I think even if he was a 10, he needs that responsibility to get in the box because he's amazing at headers and he's really good at near post finishes as well. So I think if you're having too deep, then that takes away one of, you know, like he is a good issue, another problem to have in a box for defenders to worry about. But that's just my, my opinion on it. Um, Pulisic what I'll say about Pulisic is I think he had a great game I, have, I actually think um, Pulisic and Sterling I think Pulisic had the better game I know Sterling got the assist there was a couple of times with the link up with Cucurella where ingenuity came out and obviously I think he should have got a penalty as well um, I think Pulisic has this thing I call him one of the boys in motion because when he's in motion sometimes he looks like the red blue blur like it's just uh, there was I think the ball came to Mount um, and then Mount tried to take a shot, but then it kind of hit a Bournemouth player and Pulisic came out of nowhere, ghosted past them and he ghosted past them so quick that they pulled him back. It should have been a penalty. I don't know why it wasn't a penalty, but even like his determination to get forward, I remember he did a one-two and then he just ran forward. I just thought he had a really, really good game, which is so interesting because his contract's nearly up. Um, And even today, there was a story saying that if we could get one of a, a superb winger ring, which we're apparently looking for, then maybe they're going to sell Pulisic and Ziyech. But it was a really, really enjoyable uh, game for me to watch from Pulisic. Um, I like in this kind of formation we're playing where, and by the way, again, the front four, the intensity they showed was amazing. Every single one of them, um, especially in the uh, first parts of the match, but and Pulisic included. But again, having Pulisic and Sterling, Two more traditional wingers out wide, it helps. I think it helps. People that can pass players and stuff like that. And I think Pulisic is a, a real danger. Um, let me go to Timpson next. I know that you're not a Pulisic fan, so we're going to have to squeeze any amount of positive kind of Captain America talk out of you. But what do you think objectively 
about uh, Pulisic's game against Bournemouth? Thought he was very good. Yeah, okay. Thought he was very good. Thought he was awake. I thought he was active. I thought he was proactive. More, most importantly, he was proactive with his dribbles. He looked dangerous on the ball. He, he was dangerous off the ball. He looked confident. Maybe probably because the World Cup buoyed his confidence and obviously starting first game back on the left-hand side, Sterling being pushed out wide right, which he would probably play on the, he'd prefer to play on the left, drifting inside on his stronger foot. But um, Pulisic specifically, I thought he looked good and like yourselves, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm, I was very confused as to why he didn't receive a penalty. Yeah. Um, now with Pulisic and his contract situation, I f- struggle for him to to see him staying just because it's kind of like, okay, even if he gets minutes and he feels confident, he could very easily fall out of favour. Um, and he's seen this play out with a manager kind of falling out of favour and just switching it up to do what he can to turn the rut around if they if Potter finds himself in a rut. And does he want to sign up? Because the next contract is essentially his prime years. Does he want to sign up? Um, does he want to entrust his prime years to Chelsea in the hopes that they do right by him when they've kind of flipped the script and pulled the rug underneath, out from underneath him a couple of times under different managers? It's a bit tricky. I probably no wouldn't chance. trust Chelsea, to be honest. No chance. But you went him out anyway, so it's, it works out for you as well. Um, Babs, what do you think about Pulisic? Pulisic, I think, is the last player we've got to cover. I know people came on, but uh, Pulisic, what do you think about his game? It wasn't moved. He wasn't moved. I was, I was nowhere near as moved as you guys. Nowhere near. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I, literally, I literally think I said in the group chat, there, there were so many opportunities where I was like, if we had a better left winger there, God, just imagine what we could have done Wait, there. You know what, Babs, let me stop you there, though, because... It's an who said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so this is what... Do you know what's so interesting? Like, sometimes I wish we could just watch the game. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like sometimes with Chelsea fans... It's like, all right, okay, I'm asking you about Pulisic's game, but then it's like, ah, uh, maybe if the academy player that I like was playing, or do you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I feel like everything is so external to what is actually happening right now. Um, uh, there's, I don't know, it just feels like so many people hate Chelsea players. And it's like, maybe it's because they're reaching 30 and they want new blood. Maybe it's because they're injury, injury prone, so they're like, oh, we want you out because of that. Maybe it's because... They want a player bought and therefore this player is in that same position. So then they're not loving them. Maybe it's because, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It just feels like there's so much. And I hate And I, I look, I'm not Pulisic's biggest fan and agreed with what Timpson said. He's, I think it makes sense that he goes, even if he's like, even if he kind of has a, a another Pulisic purple patch. But I'm just saying it's like, yeah. Another person can come in and do better, but what about Pulisic this game? I just, you know, what I'm saying that's all I'm asking. Yeah, about. as I said, I, I wasn't moved. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. I just, I, I don't know. It's a bugbear of mine. It's just like it just feels like everyone's. I don't know. It's like, uh, is it just me? Is it just me that feels like it? Just feels like there's so many different avenues now. It feels like a lot of people can hate. Like it makes sense. Before it was just like, oh yeah, I don't like this specific player. But it just feels like maybe because we've seen so many players coming, et cetera, et cetera. But there's always these battles. It's like this player's playing, my favorite player's not playing, so therefore I hate this player. This player's becoming overfade, therefore I want this player out, et cetera, et cetera. And I think I've said it on a pod before the World Cup, but it's just like, I'd love it if as Chelsea fans, we could just focus on the right here and right now. I know we're coming up to January anyway. So in the transfer window, it's cool. But when we're talking about a game, why can't we just talk about? You know what I'm saying? The players that I hear. But anyway, enough of my rant. You didn't rate Pulisic's game. Was there nothing about Pulisic's game that you could say, actually, that was good? I like, I like the fact that he was aggressive when he was attacking the box. Yeah. I think I said that earlier, you know, in terms of, like, the, the wingers and what they were able to offer, like, in terms of, like, what? both not only stretching the, stretching the wing, but actually, like, attacking the box. And, and and I think that's specifically in terms of, like, his goal, which was disallowed. Yeah. And um, also, like, the chance where he should have got a penalty. I think th- those are obviously, like, good positives. What about, remember his link-up? I think he done that a couple of times. Him and Cucurella on the left side. Um, there was one time, I think, Cucurella went into trouble. And then it looked like Bournemouth were going to win the ball. But then he passed it to Pulisic. I think Pulisic must have done some sort of back hill or whatever to release Cucurella. 
Um, and again, ex they had some really good exchanges on that left side. And I think even there was one time where he was, and, and again, it's, I've, it's just because I've watched it again, because I didn't have this take initially when I watched it. But I think he had a really strong game. And it's cool. I'm not trying to force my opinion, but I think he deserved credit for that game. Now, we talked about Jorginho a little bit. Contract. It seems like there was contradicting things. The Athletic came out saying both Jorginho and Kante Chelsea are going to get them out because they want to get these brand new midfielders. And I know that, again, Chelsea fans, like kids in the a candy shop, they were new, new, new. Um, but later on, it filled out that both, allegedly, Chelsea are negotiating for both Jorginho and Kante to extend. Now, I don't think Babs and Simpsons are going to be happy bunnies about this. Am I right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly pleased about Kante renewing. Like, what is this? Like, what is this all about? Everyone's saying, all of a sudden, people on the timeline are saying, yeah, Renew and Kante felt like a no-brainer to me. Really? Yeah. Are we potentially signing up for another two to three years of this availability? This availability? I mean, like, what's... I mean, what's does, does, in terms of Kante's fitness, no questions about his his ability when he's when he's at his peak, but have we acknowledged that he might just be approaching that age where a lot of his gifts are based on his physical attributes and he might be at a stage where his body because of years of mismanagement and just overplaying at club and international level maybe his body is starting to face the repercussions of um those high amount of minutes season agreed. in season out agreed but maybe it isn't so I, I agree. And, and and this is the interesting thing about... And sorry, Dan, just to cut you off one time. Okay, do we ahead. trust this? And then if there's any kind of analysis done to say, look, these issues, they're a bit of a fluke. He will get past it. February, we'll see the, we'll see the best Kante and we'll keep him going from there. Like, but, say the club make that decision. Do you trust this medical staff right now? Okay. But so let me, let me go back. Let me circle back. All right. Uh... So, number one, you said maybe here's where he declines because he's past 30. But then also, maybe not. So, I think because it's a maybe, I don't think it's important. I don't think it's that important. It's like, again, I mentioned it on the timeline. I was one of those people on the timeline you was criticising and did the funny voice on. But I think with older players, it's so interesting when people try to call a decline. Um, for me personally, I... I get apprehensive about giving contracts to older players that don't take care of their bodies in terms of the way they eat, the way they train, et cetera, et cetera. Kante, for me, doesn't seem to be that type of player. Also, when you said, you said this, you said that you're not talking about his appearances on the pitch, but you're just talking about the fact that his availability has been here. My thing is this. Yes, Kante used to play every single game and compared to what he's offering now, he's not available as much as he used to be. But last season in the league alone, he started 21 games. So when you talk about this Kante, and I know this season he's kind of been injured, but obviously there's still a long way to go. So we can get him fit and then fingers crossed he can kind of stay fit. But as Kante gets older, we expect him to play less games anyway, even just any general player, as they get older and older into their 30s, we expect them to play less games. My thing is this. If Kante plays less games, but we have um, people that are starters and Kante can come in and be experienced, what is wrong with that? I don't understand the rush to get Kante out. Yes, he can't play every single game, but we don't need him to play every single game because he's getting older. Do you know what I'm saying? So for me, it's a no-brainer to keep Kante. Kante is a trophy magnet. Kante's been a trophy magnet. And from what I've seen from last season, um, I know that he didn't play as many games, but he still had really fantastic games where I was looking at it. I was like, this guy is a class above all of our players. And so for me, it's a no-brainer. Uh, people are going to say, oh, 400K, 500K. First of all, I don't, I'm not the finance guy. I don't know the numbers, but I've said it before. It really depends on what you want to optimize for in your dressing room. 
we gave Lukaku. I know, I know how fans are. They just uh, they love new players. I uh, just love new new Lukaku, right? We gave him three hundred k. No one was complaining. When we gave him three hundred k. This is Lukaku that ran away after we missed the penalty. Uh, comes back or gives it gives it the big gun three hundred k. That's fine, but with Kante, it's an issue. If you're looking around in the dressing room, if I'm if I'm someone in the Chelsea dressing room and I'm looking around, I see Kante with 300k and they're like, oh, Kante's not even that playing that much, but he's got 300k. It's easy to say that this guy has, look how many trophies this guy has been responsible for bringing to Chelsea. If I want to get that 300k, I know what I have to do. And at the same time, if I get injury pro, this club will still look after me. I, I don't mind that dynamic. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think one thing that's endemic in football is we give younger, hungry players too much too soon. I still think it should be a type of thing where as you get older and as you age, provided you can still contribute, it doesn't have to be every single game. If you've done amazing for the club, then I don't mind you being a high earner, even if you are in a squad rotational role because you've got the experience. We had Giroud, who dragged us to the Champions League under Lampard, but then we gave Werner 300k. Everybody's happy with Werner getting 300k, etc., etc., etc. Giroud had the experience. He already showed that we could rely on him. But obviously that newness thing. We love newness. Give me the new. Give me the new. Uh, so we got the new strikers. And then Giroud didn't play. We've seen what Giroud le- le- is leading France. I know people might still not rate him, rate him. But we've seen him and AC Milan be better than most of our strikers. But again, because he hit 30... Everyone in their minds decided he's not useful. He's not useful. He's not useful, et cetera, et cetera. I believe that there's a thing with Chelsea fans where it's like they're 30, they're done. Or even if they're injury prone, they can't contribute. I don't mind that there's plenty of injury prone players that still contribute. With Kante, I don't want to predict his decline in terms of actually physical ability. I have to see that on the pitch first. So far... On the pitch, he still has the acceleration. I watched him in the Arsenal game where we got battered 4-2. And <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying Kante played amazing, but again, he was still accelerating past players crazy. Um, so physically, he's still there. Um, at least I haven't seen him up come back after this injury. But for me, it's a no-brainer. Um, that's my pitch. We'll go to Babs. What's your kind of thing on the whole, Kante? Um. For me, my my main worry with keeping Kante was mainly with like the old administration in terms of the fact that I just felt like they didn't want to refamp the midfield, okay. you know. And I felt like he was kind of like a, a figurehead whereby you you're kind of blocking it because one is a big financial outlay, and two is a big like commitment to having to play a player potentially who may not be always available. But then again, you know, we've already seen with um. Potter and Bowley, they've already they actually won the revamp the midfield. You know, we've seen we've seen us being linked to a couple of midfielders already. You know, we brought in um Andres Santos already. We've been linked with another guy. We won't talk about him yet. But <laughs> obviously there's definitely been a commitment there. And I guess with the seniority aspects of football that you've just mentioned, the fact that having Kante as our top earner, it, I think I definitely do agree with you there, you know, because he kind of is the figurehead of experience within the dressing room in terms of like being there for all of for us winning all of our trophies so I guess it's a positive but my only worry is just like the availability aspect but then again I do trust um, Santos and potentially the other guy who yeah. comes in to definitely you know understudy Kante and, and replace him in no time so you don't want to I guess it's a win yeah, yeah I, don't, okay. I, I'm, I, I don't I don't even know what you're talking about that in terms of jinx I'm not, I, don't, I don't even know who you're talking about you know, by the I, way I'm just, By the the way, Chessie, our listeners, if you want to know who we're targeting in the future, you have to listen to this pod because we have Chelsea's chief scout. Exec, you are the technical director because (laughs) I don't know what you've done, Babs. I don't know what you've been doing. You've been making connections. You've been making, whilst I've been sitting here doing niche, Babs has been out there shaking and moving. What's going on where... Your every single player you want, we're linked with. It's crazy, Babs. What's going on? Boy, I don't know, man. Close. Oh yeah, Badi Ashili. That's that's another guy. You know, hey, I, like, this is you. Are, I don't you know, are, Dan. I don't know. Babs is Babs is controlling the world. So, Babs, how are you feeling? Pressure. So I'm not. No, nah, man. Not, I'm not me like, personally. No, and you know what? Yeah, I I love it. I, like I it. maybe because I'm I'm, I'm fueled a bit by it, but I, I I love when when the eyes are on me, man. I, I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of people have that thing where that like, if he flops, 
if any of them float, they're on to me. But I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it, man. And in, and in that same in that same vein, even though I'm not like that, you know, hey, I'll, I'll be I'll be winners in my victory lap in in no time. So you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, exactly. we'll see soon. Exactly, because obviously, if they do, we're gonna hear from you. Like, hopefully, once they do amazing, we're gonna hear from you. But you know, number one, everybody gets shit wrong. Okay, so if if one of them don't work out, I don't want to hear you get on the babs. When it, if like, do you know what I'm saying? If most of them won't work out, I'll be there with you. Yeah, they, 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 if, if none of them work out, then fair enough. Fair we'll enough. You on you to don't get onto Babs, all right? Don't get onto the Chief Scout. I'm I'm gonna suck up to Babs because right? he's got these licks at Chelsea. Um, hey, listen, I meet me and Burley are cooking up a madness right now, man. <laughs> um, so so you're you're happier, you're not happy, but you're copacetic about... Yeah, like, yeah, because I, I, I actually, you know, you, you especially, you've definitely convinced me the fact that, you know, it's, it's definitely good to have that figurehead of like, of, of showing that you've actually shown a commitment to a player through thick and thin in terms of injury. And I think the fact that... I think there's definitely an aspect of the fact that they did, I don't think they want to lose both Jorginho and Kite at the same time. And actually agrees it wouldn't be a good, it wouldn't be a, a good look, you know, to lose two senior midfielders in, in quick succession when you're bringing in like a, a young batch. So um, I definitely agree. I definitely get that aspect, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because, boy, been I mean, can, can, I, yeah, I've, I've been wanting this for a while, man. A lot of people have wanted this for a while, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm asking about Kante. I'm actually looking forward to him coming back. You know, I, I do hope that he comes back fit and firing. Um, yeah. So yeah, because at, at the end of the day, when you, when you really think about it, he is top three midfielders in the world. He's you world know, class. On, 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 he's, he's world class, you know. And in my opinion, he's our, he's our one world, he's our like one undeniable world class yeah, player. Yeah, he is. You know, so. And I remember I was I, I'm willing to give him a second chance, you know, in terms of fit, fitness, fitness wise. Willing to give him a second chance. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew you, I knew you'd catch up to that. <laughs> um, I watched a game, the France game, for Kante and Shu and Many were playing midfield. I was watching for Shu and Many and Kante outclassed him. And obviously just one game. But I, I really think that sometimes, especially when you haven't seen in a while, you kind of really forget what you have on your hands. And that's kind of when I talk about Giroud and all that type of stuff. Like, sometimes it's newness, newness, but then everybody start looking at it like, right, Giroud's better than all our records. Yes, yeah, because a lot of the times you guys just want people out and you just don't really see where there's talent here. But um, Jorginho has been linked with a new contract too. So where you just said, it seems like they don't want to lose both. Maybe they're just trying to cover negotiate with both and then decide on the one but what if both stay Timpson Timpson what are you gonna do if both stay oh it'd be one of those it'd be like one of those tweets where like a girl says she um she hacked into a man's phone and all she's been doing is is fainting and waking up and fainting again like the news would just like oh my goodness like I would see the initial news that would that would make me faint then I would wake up and see that the other midfielder staying as well, and I, that would that would that would knock me out again. Then yeah, I'm seeing then, then I'm seeing the athletic do like a breakdown of why it was never an option of them leaving, and I'm fainting again. Like it would just yeah, it would hit me hard. If you'd be like, wake me up in 2024 because I want to see Jorginho and Kante for another. It might have to be until they retire. Until they retire, like I would be. Yeah, I would. I was like more of the same plus whatever on top. Just to add additional wahala to the to the midfield gumbo that Potter's cooking up, I'm not ready for it. I don't know. I I just for me it's it's a bit of a weird one. I mean, I don't know. I've seen a, the cycle of teams a lot of the time, and I can I understand if the player wants to play every single game, um, and they're older, but they can't or they're not good enough. But like a Fernandinho, where it's just like you know what I'm saying. He's playing less, and Rodri's the main guy, but he's still there to kind of bring in experience. I don't understand why people just want to chuck away the experience. That's just me. But it's fair. Everyone can have their takes. Um, so we've got the Jorginho stuff. We talked about um, uh, Kante as well. We, we, I don't think we're allowed to, because the chief scout has said we, we're not allowed to talk about um, one transfer. So we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, is there anything else we need to cover, guys? No, I think we're good. I think we got that Chessie hour sorted. All right, so thank you again. We are back, um, and you'll hear from us next week. Um, and yeah, definitely tune in if you want to hear about targets because we got uh, the the chief scout of Chelsea. Actually, one guy, one guy. The reports about a certain Enzo. 
God to God. Oh, 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.